Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren. That's the voice of Dick Warren welcoming you this week as every week uh, to The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Here as I am uh, some weeks with Alex Terranova, Professional Certified Coach. How are you, sir? I'm great. I, I think I'm here all the weeks. You were here. You weren't here last week. True. I was at a very important EMCC meeting that turned out to be not so important. Uh, what, what's happening in your world? Tell me everything. Uh, what's happening in 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 my world? Uh, the, I think the most exciting thing is we just finished our first cohort of your love adventure. Um, my love adventure? That's not okay. your. Yeah, I mean, we, we're not gonna. Your wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so we can we can <laughs> into this. Um, but yeah, the first cohort that Evan and I did. If if people are like, wait, if they haven't listened to past episodes, right? I created a. Uh, a love adventure to meet my partner. And it went success so well that her and I then went, we got to replicate this to help people, you know, who are not like Christopher. They don't want to be swiping on the apps all day long and, you know, oh, not man. going to bars to meet people, but looking for a new adventurous and fun way to find love. And we had three women who went on this adventure and they just completed the whole, two of them have gone on their trips with the men Right. We should we should point out just for for to catch people up. It's not that they go on this adventure altogether. Each of them designs an adventure and then they're sort of candidates that people that apply to be able to go with them and see if there's a love match. And then this team of their friends and loved ones and colleagues and people are actually the selection committee. Right. To mm -hmm. decide who goes with them, because one of the things we all know about relationship is that for those of us that struggle in relationship are uh, Sometimes our chooser may not be the most effective oh, yeah. chooser. If that... you ever need a job, you're really good at explaining this. We we might need someone to help run our company. Um, <laughs> it's mansplaining. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it was great. I th I'm thank you for doing that. Um, so we so all three women had their committees pick a man for them and all of them were excited. And I think one of the coolest things was they were all like, man, this is not a man I would have met or found or picked my own in normal circumstances. And they, the biggest, like they shared values and, and what they wanted out of their life. Right. And they weren't just picking their type or the thing they normally do. And they share, they all shared with us the, the transformation and the journeys they want on and how dating will never be the same. So at the end, so two of the three have gone on trips. One decided that, Hey, the guy just wasn't for not the right fit, right? Like oh, not the right fit, but like, that's sad. yeah, you know, good guy, nothing, you know, good guy, great woman, um, just not the right fit. And she is excited to move on to, you know, what's next using the tools that she got. And the other woman is, is now dating the man that she, they had another, they had their trip and then they had a post get together after their trip. Um, and then our third person is basically, they haven't gone on their trip yet, but they've gone to a wedding together. They're basically dating and in a relationship. So it's congratulations. We're onto something really fun here and we're, we're designing what the next versions are going to be. All right. Now we need to get to our, our conversation and our guest today, but I cannot not ask you this question. Yeah. What? happens to the one where it didn't work out because that's why they ostensibly tried this out was because it wasn't working out right like is there some sort of money back guarantee are you going to do with it no. do it with them until no, it works no. do you, well, do I you mean, need to you know, rate them what do you do we're not match matchmakers right we're we're creating a dating or love adventure not a a partnership guarantee but i think the the thing that is so profound is even the person who didn't walk away with someone, right? We don't know what will happen with the other two either. Um, is they were, they are so excited to get back into dating and do it in a new way and show up in a new way and be able to bring the person they want to be to the next. So we really believe that they're that much closer to finding their person or their partner. Um, so, and we feel it's a success. It really feels like we moved someone forward, which was the goal right at the beginning. We really do tell people we cannot promise you a partnership. Uh, that would be, you know, that wouldn't be right. Great. And if people want more, more information or if they want to do their own love adventure, where do they go? Yourloveadventure.com. 
pretty pretty my my love adventure yeah yeah it could be it could be if no, you know your wife hears this and is like hey you know what it, what are the words in the url your love adventure.com yeah. very good thank you so much <laughs> that's and they can read about some of these women's experiences and it's and i should say this is not just for women women were just braver than men and said yes and men, you know, are 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 looking from the sidelines, going, "Oh, I wish I had done this." So, now, it, in this these cases, and in your case, we're talking about heterosexual coupling, right? I, I no, we're we're open. Whatever anybody wants, you can okay. identify whatever gender you you identify as, whatever your sexual orientation. We we have no. We'll play. We will play. Anyone can come play in the sandbox with us. Very good. Okay, great. Yourloveadventure.com. And that's Alex Terranova. He's uh, the host of his own podcast or two or seven uh, over at the dreammason.com. The Dream Mason. Anything you, anything you need to tell us before we, we jump in with our guest? I had one of those. Uh, what do I want to tell you? First of all, this morning I'm hot because my uh, somebody, speaking of partnership, uh, somebody is is doing uh, corporate dynamics with my wife. My wife is in a corporate job. She's a scientist. I don't know what she talks about most of the time, but um, she's, and somebody's doing corporate dynamics, like trying to overtake her team and her position in their own quest for power. And I am so, this is like, this is more than any show I've ever streamed or anything. Like I'm so into this every day. Now what happened and what's your plan for tomorrow? And where's it, you know what I mean? I'm like, I am, uh, are you coaching, are you coaching her? Are you like, giving her unsolicited coaching and sending her back oh, totally to yeah stay with all these strategies totally unrequested advice and you know uh i'm getting all upset and a flutter you know let me know if you want me to write that email for you stuff i'm i'm way too into it uh so that's <laughs> happening we had um you know how the universe sometimes seems very balanced we had this unexpected windfall of money which at this time is very appreciated and then immediately slightly more than that money was demanded of us in a bunch of different ways. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, yeah. there's the universe just nicely. So things are good. The kids are out of school. And um, let's get to our guest because it's enough about blah, blah, blah about us, right? It's all right. You or me, you seem very relaxed today. And I'm very excited and caffeinated. Oh, please go. I'm, I'm, I think I'm always pretty relaxed. <laughs> I'm, I'm so delighted to welcome our, our guest today. And, and I'm so sad that I'm never going to be able to wrap my tongue around the proper pronunciation of her name. But uh, Jagruti Gala is uh, joining us from India. Jagruti is, is so amazingly multifaceted. It's delightful to introduce her to you. Um, very active in the field of organizational development. Uh, she has a thriving coaching practice. She's a faculty for coaching with leadership that works. She's got a huge commitment for more than a decade to bring change into the world of children through educational spaces and family life. She works with underprivileged children. She's the founder and managing trustee of a nonprofit, AURA place.org aura that provides free education in the, India also the co-founder of stones two that's numeral two milestones stones two milestones a for-profit company that's changing the way children learn in India she joins us from India she's also pursuing certification in NVC and in trauma healing she holds amazing education in everything from uh, from training at Harvard University to emotional intelligence, appreciative inquiry, and more. I'm delighted to welcome to our microphones, Jagruti Gala. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you're also, the thing that I didn't say, you're also this year's co-chair of the ACTO conference, and people that may not know what that is, the Association of Coach Training Organizations. So you clearly have a commitment to training coaches. Will you share that? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think I learned to become a coach and I learned to become a coach every year, year on year for the past 12 years uh, since I stepped into it um, as a student of coaching. And then I was in the, you know, sometimes you're in the right place at the right time. And I've been lucky to be at the beginning of things. So when Leadership That Works was beginning in India, I was part of the first cohort and then became part of the faculty team. And um, I, I, I wouldn't give up teaching coaching ever. I love it. Me too. Thank you for that. 
you know, I, we were introduced to you through ACTO and I'm just curious, I'm always curious when we have international, right? When we, we have international people on this show uh, because coaching exists and I think coaching exists that we hear a lot about it in India. What do you notice the difference when you come and do training um, with, you know, in with more of either worldly or the American population? Um, notice in what sense? Differences, similarities. I, you know, it's so I, for me to have you here and get to like see a different perspective is is very okay. interesting. So I'm so curious right. to. So I I haven't been a trainer um, in too many in persons in America, but I have been a learner in America uh, and, and part of many many cohorts. And you know, when I was doing my work with NVC and also part of a lot of leadership development, I got a chance to be part of the team in the US. Um, but in India, in our cohorts, we've always had international uh, presence and a huge diversity. So we've had people from Europe, from Southeast Asia, Middle East. Once we even had someone who came all the way from America in those times when we used to have in-person uh, work happening. So thrice in the year, she took a trip from America to India to learn coaching with us. And uh, it's been absolutely stunning, fantastic, humbling. Uh, every year, everything is new when we work with this kind of diversity. And um, what, I, what I find um, in India, we are also show up as who we are with our, you know, our, our deep ethnic roots. Um, our, um, we have a spiritual heritage that is kind of embedded within us. We have, India has an amazing diversity within itself, which is too complex to really, really get a grip on. So I think all of that informs uh, the way we show up in coach training. And it's, it's more focused on the wholeness, uh, I believe. And I've experienced that as a learner and as a trainer, that it's much more nuanced. Um, it brings in uh, all of us also on the faculty team and leadership that works. We have a rich and diverse background in process work in appreciative inquiry and, you know, many different fields, organizational, nonprofit. So that rich life experience walks into the door when we are teaching. Mm, I don't okay. know if this was... Um, this was clear enough or I got no, what you were looking yeah, for. Yeah, what, what you got me present to was that, you know, America as a country was as this individualism, right? Like is, is so um, built into the culture here that to be an individual and you shared with, or, or and then you shared that, you know, in, in India, it doesn't, there's more cultural and things that tie people together. And so it's interesting to think about coaching as something that really affects the whole but if we only address the individual, it doesn't necessarily ripple out the same in America as it would in maybe other places. Right. Yeah. Um, I think also that, um, you know, learning coaching is, it, it seems to be in a bubble, the way that it's kind of originated from the West and the way it comes and what we've been noticing. And, and now the demand is growing for working, for group coaching, for team coaching. Coaching is an expensive um it, it's an expensive opportunity. Not everyone can afford it. So we're, we're evolving consciously and continuously, I think, um, in this field. I agree. And I noticed that as someone who's been training coaches for 22 years, and by the way, if you're going to start something, start it in the zero year so you can always count uh, easily in the future. Meanwhile, um, as someone who's been training coaches for about 20 years, I noticed that I'm generally concerned and somewhat disappointed by the field of coach training. And, and I'm wondering, with your more global perspective, with your deep commitments to people, including underprivileged children, including the work that you've done to, you know, to train yourself to be more of a contribution, do you have general comments about uh, what coaches who are either just starting out or even seasoned or veteran coaches like myself should do about training? Open it up. 
we we need to challenge we need to uh, and it is happening i do think it is um, at least i have been part of a wave that has been open i've been part of a wave that never does the same thing in the same way a second time um we we constantly end up you know we we have a joke uh, at ourselves that we end up creating documents and then create them again and again um because we work with what's emerging we like to work with looking at what's present in front of us and i think more conversations among uh, coaches more collaboration among coach training organizations more uh, more courageous conversations really and also to to somewhere go beyond the competency there are uh, there's a spectrum there there cannot be these um, this is my personal view that there cannot be these very um, defining lines for coaching i think i often say to my clients that i'm not a therapist but coaching is therapeutic you can't take that away from it you, so yeah. i'm sorry to interrupt do you believe that coaching ultimately is spiritual or healing or something else well a lot of growth and freedom which is uh, the goal of coaching is dependent on healing because we don't grow uh, and we don't feel free because we are trapped and we're trapped in um, the wounds of the heart and spirituality is uh, is about living from the heart i can't even imagine a better answer to that question than what you just said i can't even fathom it that was beautiful alex with your permission i'll follow up with it yeah no? go ahead no no go ahead sorry this beautiful, open, clear-eyed view of coaching and the possibility of coaching, will that be part of the ACTO conference this year? How have you Absolutely. arranged or decided who, uh, who will be presenting and what the, what the conference will be focused on? Well, uh, the way we kind of did was because of the way we invited people in. We're looking at it kind of like, you know, the metaphor of a fabric. So there are the threads, there's the weave and there's the fabric. And the threads are about the origins and looking at, you know, that there was before coaching as a term came about uh, for thousands of years, people have been asking each other powerful questions which set them free. Uh, people have traditions for healing, um, you know, nations, communities, cultures. And uh, can we bring, um, can we go very much down to that essence of it being a supportive, empowering um, opportunity and, 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 and basically a conversation that has courage in it? Um, so looking at what is the essence of coaching, if we take away too much of the specificity, and then how is that um, expanding into the present and how do we apply, you know, the simplicity to the complexity, because we don't want to deny the complexity that we live in, and what's the future calling us to? So, so it's the, the threads are the origin, the weave is what's happening at the present, how do we take all those threads and, you know, come out of that tangled mess? How do we challenge our profession? Well, I, I almost want you to, I love that you, you know, you answered your, the question with a question. How, how would you, how do you say we, you know, challenge the profession? So, um, I, I think that some of us are, and more of us need to come forward. And, you know, so for instance, this kind of a conversation that you're encouraging right now and that you're going to put out and that people are going to listen to, um, does it, can it be provocative? Can it have, um, can we, you know, really tell our stories? There are um, more than 7 billion people in the world. I remember when we uh, began with Leadership That Works in India and the first cohort of Coaching for Transformation and um, Vikram is, uh, he's I think also been on your show featured earlier. And um, wow. so Vikram brought, Vikram brought uh, you know, a coaching in partnership with Martha to us. And in one of our visioning meets, uh, I really liked what he said that we wanna have a coach for every family. Or, you know, we talk about coaching for 7 billion people. Um, how, that is huge. And that there cannot be one measure 
that's going to get us there. So um, how can we come across, um, you know, there's a lot of coaching available for performance, for the growth of uh, the capitalist economy, um, for individuals who want to grow today really cannot, many of them cannot afford a coach. So, so, so a lot of, a lot of conversations. We need to ask those questions on public forum. I actually, I love you brought Vikram. I did, uh, I did his intuition course with him, um, which was game changer. I mean, completely opened me up in a way that I hadn't been opened up before. Um, for coaches in the here in the U.S., uh, you know, you you said something on you you gave us a, a we asked you for some information before we, you're on here, and you shared with us the idea that um, we have to look at everything as as a whole community. What what advice or what training can U.S. coaches go to kind of expand their horizon or their view? to take on this more like outside of the capitalistic model that you're talking about? <laughs> well, um, first of all, you know, acknowledge that there is something like that out there. Uh, get to know those people, find those channels. And rather than go to a training, I think just immersing in culture, exchanging, I, I don't think there's just them that have to learn from others. There's others that everyone has something to teach and learn together. So collaboration probably is, um, you know, working on projects across the globe and COVID has opened up um, so many possibilities because of the way it changed the way we are all working. So more of that, more of that cultural exchange would be wonderful. Being open to emergence. Easier, easier said than done, correct? <laughs> One of the, so uh, remind us when, I just wanna put a sort of period at the end of the sentence about ACTO, cause we've gone a bit off, uh, off of that, but when is the Association of Coach Training Organizations conference and is it still available for registration? It is on the 14th, 15th, and 16th of September. And yes, registrations are available um, because of uh, online virtual platform. We can accommodate a lot of people. So where can people go to find out more? Uh, they can go to the ACTO uh, website. And maybe when, um, when we are done with this, I'll also share a link with you that you can post with the podcast. Beautiful. Uh, I just want to double check. That's Acto Online, A C T O O N L I N E dot O R G. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. And on the page, on the on the landing page, on the right side, there's something about the conference. There's a pop up, and you can click that and then move into it. Beautiful. It's a. It's. I've re I've been reluctant to speak at these conferences in the past because I know how uh, judgy and how difficult the audience can be of coach trainers. How do I know that? Um, so, uh, I'm very excited to be speaking this year and I'm very excited at the lineup. Thank you so much for the work that you did. Uh, may I tell you a hilarious story that will <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> reveal, um, everything you need to know about me anyway, and maybe something about you, uh, the process for applying to the conference to speak at the conference is quite, uh, comprehensive and requires a lot of things, including an 800 or so word description of your talk. I, having not spoken at the conference before, um, decided this year that I should get off my high horse and contribute. So I decided to apply, but I wanted to speak on the topic of power. And so I thought it would be ironically hilarious to send in an application without the 800 page or 800 word description. And so in a, in a classic, power dominance, power dynamic, uh, oppositional move. I sent in my my application to speak with simply the word, one word title that said power and no information about it. Thinking of course that I would be rejected out of hand, but I, I thought it was kind of entertaining way to do it. And your team in the perfect, such a delicious chef's kiss move responded simply by saying, we accept. 
And now I'm doing so much research day and night, reading everything I can, doing everything I can so that I can present something useful and valuable to people. Uh, it was the perfect response. And I just want to acknowledge whoever, whomever on your team was uh, responsible for that deliciousness. It was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. And I will now have the rest of all the speakers up in arms for having labored over their 800 word presentation. We could edit this part out. This could just be a, between you and me. <laughs> That's right. They're like, wait, I worked on McAuliffe. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> let's go in a different direction. One of the one of the tip offs when I asked you if ultimately you thought coaching was a spiritual endeavor is that you're a quite spiritual person yourself and you've published a book of prayer poems. And I can say that we've never experienced that before on this program. Please tell us about 99 Marigold Mornings. <laughs> well, uh, the book got published four years after they were written, uh, but there's an interesting and very powerful story of my life. So um, I've been a spiritual seeker, practitioner of meditation, Vipassana, and, you know, a lot of things um, all my life. One of the things I couldn't wrap my heart around uh, is prayer, and I I. I always used to wonder what it would be to go down and bend a knee and talk to this invisible guy out there who I believe exists, but because I can't see, uh, how can I have a connect? And then I was going through a very difficult time in my life. I was going through a divorce and um, somehow um, prayers started rolling out. And uh, by that time, I had just finished my cohort of coaching. I'd become, you know, certified as a coach. And I knew that if you want to do something, you should commit and become accountable. So I also wanted to explore poetry. And so I sent uh, an email out to a few friends saying, I'm going to write a poem every day, a prayer every day. And I thought, let me see where, how, where this journey takes me. And so because I had committed, I got up every morning to sit and write something and so this are these are not you know these were raw they came from my heart they were not personal prayers that fix my life but they were more about my beliefs or about humanity um you know the longing the longing for uh, communion um gratitude lots of things i just discovered myself uh, through all of those and i kept writing and i was shocked <laughs> I ended up uh, with, uh, you know, more than 50. So I said, okay, let me do 75. And then I thought I'll go to 100. But then I thought 99 is a master number. So I'll stop at 99. By which time I was sending it out to about 43 different people through email. And they loved it. And um, the beautiful part of it is that, you know, one of the poems uh, talks about that to that God out there, that whoever you are, I don't want you to be a bead on my rosary or a name on my lips. I want you to stand in front of me. I want you to walk with me like shadow joined to feet. And on the hundredth day, uh, the person whom I now follow as my spiritual master, his reference came into my life. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. 
Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. So these 99 poems were like 99 steps that to took that. me to that place. And Will there so, be another book? I'm sorry. I hope so. I hope so one day. Yeah, I, I, I didn't um, publish. I'm, I'm terrified of my skills as a writer. But I, I, I put them together to honor him on what we have. Um, we have a day where we honor our teachers. So that's how they got published. Beautiful. Are you, I don't know if you're open, are you open to, and or to share, you know, what is your spiritual practices, like the things you do, or some of the things you do on a daily basis to kind of keep you plugged in and connected to your teacher? Talking internally. Uh, the teacher is not really, I mean, you know, he's an embodiment of the energy, uh, which is within me. And so that has just become a stronger experience. But uh, silence is my practice. I love silence. I love solitude, music, and um, uh, losing oneself in devotional music uh, is my expression of love and bonding. Yeah. And so I used to have an inner critic. Now I also have a benevolent voice inside me, which very gently corrects me. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for answering that. Um, I often, I, people, I, I, I'm often asked, you know, what is your spiritual practice? So I'm, I have been looking at what are, what are other people doing? What are other people that feel very connected doing that? I might, I just learned some new things that have been really great, like two-way writing, which it sounds mm. like an internal conversation, but with a pen. Um, can we talk about your work with children? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's been a, a like a central focus and important um, an important commitment in your life. Can you tell us about the work you do with underprivileged children? Sure. This work is now in its seventeenth year, and so I have founded and managed a nonprofit uh, in my city, where we work with children who come from underserved backgrounds. Uh, my city is one of those cities where we don't have the kind of rampant poverty that we see in Mumbai or other places in India. Uh, but still, there is a lot of disp economic disparity and therefore opportunity is also different. And uh, the idea, core idea always was that can children come to a place? Um, and this was before I got exposed to coaching or anything. It was a mother's heart and a mother looking at that her children could get something that many other children didn't have. And even though her children had opportunity, they were still impoverished because there was just too many of them. The system is in such a way that it's very competitive and they don't get a chance to flourish and thrive, um, you know, to, to, to learn more about themselves, to express themselves holistically. So anyway, through all of this, I, it's a long story, I landed up wanting to do, make the world better for my own boys. And so, I, and I come from privilege. I never had to worry about taking up work that had to pay me. So the orientation always had been towards contribution and what can I do with my gifts and talent and uh, bring create something. So one thing led to another and little workshops that I was doing so that my two boys could have a non-competitive open atmosphere to explore life in uh, became an organization over time. And today we reach out to more than um, 1,500 children uh, every year in different government schools and all. And uh, we work with them on their um, social emotional balance, on getting to know themselves better, being able to express themselves. On the way, I also got into a partnership with somebody who wanted to take this kind of work to the world. But I learned everything on the job by doing things and then got training wherever I could. I've been learning something new for the past 18 years every year. So I was very keen that we could teach children to learn to read because I believe, I especially learn to read English because that's the language that disconnects 
us from opportunity or connects us to opportunity, both. <clears throat> so through that was born this program to help children to learn to read in English. And so that was also a wonderful adventure. I'm not so active in it anymore, but that's some work that I'm proud of that I was there in the beginning and helped to start it. And right now we were doing some very interesting work with um, uh, young adults who are also from underserved backgrounds. And what we're trying to do is also build a bridge that you can't just work with the underserved without working with those who are served and you know, helping that connect to happen. So uh, lots of exploration and stuff happening. I'm, well, here, I'll just say the thing that came to me when you were talking is what's the thing that you've most learned in working with children? Innocence. Mm -hmm. And how, how forgiving children are. They are amazingly forgiving. And um, the trauma goes deep but the capacity to regenerate is also there if the support is given at the right time. And uh, they're so open to receiving. Yeah. Hmm. If, uh, if people are, you, you know, people that are moved or want to know more, where do they go to learn more about these organizations and how they can like either get involved or, or donate or just learn more. Yeah, we are not set up for receiving donations in foreign currency because that has a lot of uh, systemic issues at my end in my country. Uh, and that means a lot of red tape for me, which I decided to not do. Uh, but my organization is small and beautiful, uh, but very happy to share knowledge. It's www.aurapleace.org. Yes, auraplace.org. And there's, we're not very uh, visible, something we got to learn to do more of. Mm. I, have a, I have a fantastic team and um, I've had the privilege to be in great teams in you know this work that I do in education, um, the work that I did in reading, the work that we are doing in coaching. Uh, it's just fantastic. And how everything um, kind of is tied together with this thread of you know, inner transformation. You have a lovely social consciousness and commitment that comes through as we're speaking to you today. Thank you for that. And maybe it's just me, but it seems like a pivotal or critical time in history for so many reasons. What's your view, and I'm asking this intentionally as open as possible, on the role of coaching, or if you like, coach training, in social movement, social awareness. As you've suggested, many of our listeners are in a Western model of, you know, my clients and my um, monthly income or a capitalist individualist framework. How can we turn out effectively or what would you have us think about or how do you see our roles? Is that too open a question? I know that was a lot of questions and not in the ICF mode. I don't know if that question was, yeah, that I think that there's, but let me, let me reframe what I heard. And I think it's simply because that, you know, it is, it is a pivotal epoch and I'm, I'm glad to be alive at this point in time. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, but I'm so glad because we're really literally watching history move in front of our eyes. And uh, I think your question was, what is our role? As coaches maybe even uh, what could maybe it be our responsibility yeah. probably i love your answers that have one word that are so that has so much in it i know that you've got a commitment to addressing systems in other words you don't just look at the individual and what they might do mm -hmm. or not do or stop doing or change their habits you really as a coach and as a person look at systems i'm wondering if there's something that you can contribute to us about that perspective and how we might develop that more for ourselves. Yeah, so I do want to say at this moment that um, whatever it is that I know about this has come to me from the fantastic team that I'm part of in Leadership That Works and the kind of you know conversations we have not only uh, outside or not only as part of our coach training, but the way we are as a team 
and you know the the diversity that exists within and which comes up when we work together and which we pause and we sit down to look at it and we get through sometimes and we don't get through sometimes but we're here and we're together and we've grown through that and I probably might call myself the baby of the group in certain ways um, but uh, what I've learned um, and babies learn a lot because they come fresh so what I've learned is the, the absolutely it's so imperative for the system to be addressed, uh, for the individual to really, really be able to express themselves and grow. It is no longer how it used to be even 12 years ago when I started to become a coach, where it was more about expressing yourself for your next you know, career growth or things like that. Um, it's... It's the whole person. And if the whole person has to come out, the whole person is in touch with the whole system, the whole world, and all the perspectives that are contained. And it's not just one system. There are multiple systems at work. And understanding the dynamics of the different systems is very, very important. Otherwise, we're doing like, you know, spirituality on the mat, yoga on the mat, and then nothing off the mat. Beautiful. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, so what do we do? What do, you know, coaches listening to this, consultants, people that are, you know, that, that are passionate about this work, what do they do to take it off the mat? What do they do to, to impact? Because when we talk about systems, I think a lot of us get discouraged or intimidated, you know, what can, what can we do? You know, you often think like global warming or the environment, like what can one person do? What what do you suggest or or recommend for for people? Well, at least acknowledge that there's a system at work and that it's not all just your individual work within yourself. There's something out there that you need to acknowledge. You need to acknowledge its impact. We need to acknowledge where we have internalized it to a you know level where we don't even know that it's out there. It's actually all now within us and it's driving us from within, which is the most scariest part. And then getting down to, and the impact is always the human impact, right? What are you feeling? What are you needing? And then moving into what is the longing and connecting to what is our purpose. And I think purpose is a very strong driver. Purpose fills us up from within and gives us wisdom about the moves that we can make and not to be just focused on what is it that we cannot do and and then invite emergence invite the unknown invite hope healing so we don't stop just at addressing and it's not about blaming the system we created it we have to dismantle it we have to put new things into place. They will fall out one day. They will stop working. A system always disappears. You know, it becomes dysfunctional at some point. So, um, and also when we were, so this is when we're working with individuals, but I do know some of my colleagues, they, you know, or even me, I've started working with one client and then slowly they're like, can you talk to my you know, family member and the other family. And so, you know, you kind of have this whole group possibility that is now happening. Coaches can also design such offerings, I think, and start putting them out there that uh, if we can start saying that this is not just about individuals, then, then, then more ideas will start coming in. But we need to acknowledge it. So few people share like I, that, that piece that you just said, Right, like systems always end or they always stop working. It doesn't matter, right? The systems of the world have never been perfect or, right? But some of them have worked for a long time and some of them never worked. And some of them worked for some people and not others. But I love the, the idea that I just don't feel like we hear very often that, you know, even if it worked for a long time, that it ends at some point and we have to create a new system and that we, I, I really got like, we're inherently tied to our system, right? We like our habits. We like our behaviors, even when they stop working. Um, totally. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. 
The new is always frightening or often frightening, not always. They want to generalize. This is going to seem pithy in, in contrast to what you were just talking about. As a person who deals a lot with organizations and organizational development, if you could wave a magic stick of some type and give all the organizations one thing, one place to look, what would it be? The people at the top need to look into their hearts. And not be afraid of what they see there. Beautiful. It's just extraordinary to be with you. I appreciate your wisdom and your clarity, your economy of words and the power of them. Uh, like my colleague Alex, I find a huge value in your simple statement that systems always become dysfunctional at some point. Among other things, it helps me to understand my marriage. Um, the thing that I would love to find out is there something, if you could say something to a few thousand coaches, either as a parting thought or a parting shot, something to for us to take with us or gnaw on for the rest of the day, what would it be? What would you, what would you have us take on for ourselves? No, nothing, nothing really in that way, but I do want to, I'm so blessed and privileged to have been given this, um, this opportunity to become a coach and to learn the, the core principles that, uh, you know, forms the basis of this, I don't want to say profession, but more like a service or an offering into the world. And I, I would say we matter. We matter much more than people understand. And we, we should be. And I've, I've really met some wonderful coaches who come from such a deep place within them. So I'd love, um, I'd love for us to celebrate that. As everything else you've said, lovely and useful and deep. Alex, anything else for you, sir? No, I have, I have. And I, I have, forgive me again, I know that my tongue is not doing the right thing, but Chagruti Gala, how can people find out more about you if they will choose to work with you or would like to find out more of your writings and messages? Where can we go? <laughs> so there's no public place really, but I do, I can share my email and um, do you want me to spell it out? Uh, if that's what if that's what you prefer, okay. happy to. Okay. Yeah, so it's a long one. So when I started coaching, I created a new email for myself called empoweringconversations at gmail.com. I do think it's too long now, but I'm, I'm stuck with it. Well, we live in a world with a very short attention span, don't we? Empoweringconversations, plural, at yes. gmail.com. Yes, and jagruti at ltwindia.com. J-A-G. R-U-T-I at L-T-W-India.com. It's so lovely being with you. Thank you for the fine work that you're doing. Thank you also for staying up late and being with us tonight. It's a complete adventure for me. Thank you so much for inviting me in. I do also want to, you know, you've invited me and we've talked about ACTO, but I want to name my co-chair Virginia Velez from Spain. Oh, she's who lovely. Is, oh, she's so lovely and so fantastic. And we're really cooking up uh, a nice menu. Um, I'm so happy, Christopher, that you're going to be part of it. Well, let's not let's not get our hopes up too high or our expectations too high. But I'm very grateful and I'm so excited. The the change in Acto in just a few years from one that was predominantly white, uh, North American, you know, very concerned with, as you said, uh, individualism and uh, capitalism of coaching to an organization that is demonstrably truly global now and much more concerned with leading the way on things like diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, and uh, dealing with everything from trauma education to um, how to be more effective in our work. It's just, it's exemplary and inspiring, just exactly as you would hope that an organization about coach training would be. 
Thank you so much for being a huge part of that. Anything else? Yeah. I was just going to ask why people should go to ACTO, what would be the, but I think you just answered it. Yeah, a truly global perspective on coaching our industry. And if we think about it, coach training for me is the influence point. It's the point where we can actually make a difference in our profession. Do you see it differently, Chikruti, or anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think absolutely coach training uh, is very, very important because uh, we often say, you know, our mantra is we are the work. So the training part is where you get to know your wholeness and your whole mess and everything. And yeah, it's pivotal. I'm very grateful for you and your work. And I thank you for being with us, dear listener. It's another edition of a coaching show behind us. Each week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge, people who are pioneers or just darn interesting that you need to know about. Mr. Alex Terranova, professional certified coach, available at thedreammason.com. Any final words for our folks today? I have, I have, I have nothing inspiring or wisdom-like to give you. <laughs> Senator Terranova um, indicates negative uh, through his body. I, I um, no, but I, I just, I mean, I love what we're, you know, I, I really love when we get to have people from international and different perspectives on this show to see, I, I think that point, right. We really do not all of us, but in America, there is a very like coaching is a financial driven model. And some of us have, you know, do pro bono work and some of us work with and, 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 but the, the the uh the the like the shining light is often on the money and uh so it's nice to to have a new perspective brought in or simply a reminder that most of us didn't actually get into it for the money <laughs> yeah thank you so much for that yeah i um had i'll just share a moment i uh we spoke last night with a Ukrainian refugee who will be moving into our home who was, you know, had an extraordinary experience of having to decide in literally like two minutes whether to stay in their home where they'd lived their whole life and all of their friends and family and uh, community was or have to go to America where they'd never been, you know, where English is the dominant language and everything. And they'll be staying with us. And that combined with our conversation today has really reminded me of how much we can do and how comparatively little I often, I'll speak for myself, do for others. So a gentle reminder to us all to go out and today spend some time in the service of thinking about or actually taking action to support other people. I'm so grateful to you for being with us. Thank you very much. And um, with your permission, I'll close today and just remind everyone that we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.